Bretto, the first 200 tickets to the 2018 Wellness Summit sold out in less than 24 hours. Can you believe it? Oh, MP, it's awesome that our Wellness Coach fans are as excited about the return of the Wellness Summit as we are. If you've been hiding under a kale smoothie, Zazen Alkaline Water presents the return of the Wellness Summit on August 25 and 26 in Melbourne. And for one week only, we have 100 seats at a crazy two-for-one special. That's right, MP. Not only do 100 lucky listeners get two tickets for the price of one, but they also receive the digital recordings of the 2018 Summit and all of our previous events. Gee whiz, that's a lot of value, Bretto. That's over $1,400 in value, MP, and all for just $297. That's two tickets for the price of one for two days of powerhouse wellness. That's less than $10 an hour to attend the wellness event of the year. Oh, enough of the number crunching, MP. These 100 tickets are only available this week until Saturday, May 19, or until sold out, whatever happens first. For tickets, the speaker lineup, and all info, go to thewellnesssummit.com. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Naked Naturopath. Today, I have a special guest with me who contacted me after hearing the podcast, and I loved what she was doing, so thought, why not get her on for a chat and share some of the cool stuff that she's got going on. Her name is Lolly and she's from the Bliss Bomb Project. Welcome, Lolly. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being here. No worries. When you emailed me, I was really excited to um, kind of follow the link on the bottom of your email and uh, go to your website and check out some of the awesome recipes that you were that you had on that first page. And that's what kind of caught my attention. Um, you'd also said in the email that you were a patissier, which is very exciting to me. Um, so if you could just tell us a little bit about, um, that journey where you've come from being a chef, um, previously, I think that that's really cool and really, really what caught my attention in the first place. Yeah. So the funny thing about me being a chef was that I never really wanted to be a chef. It was just the fact that I was hungry all the time and I just <laughs> wanted to cook food. So when I thought about cooking like professionally, it never really occurred to me as a job. So I decided to underdo, undertake the um, patisserie course, which is full-time for one year, and go, well, if I like it, then I'll, I'll sign up for the apprenticeship because I wasn't ready to quite like dedicate four whole years of my life as an apprentice whilst I had a two-year-old son. So I finished the patisserie course and I loved it. And then I said to myself, okay, yeah, I'm ready. And I did it. And I tell you what, it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. It was four years of blood and a lot of tears. And it was so, so worth it. Yeah, I know. I've, um, as you know, I've, I've written two cookbooks and I have such an interest in food and, and being a chef and working in the industry. But for me, that, that commitment and that lifestyle that you need to live is just so, so difficult, um, you know, that it really has turned me away from doing it as a profession, I guess. Yeah, it's hard and the hours are hard and it took a lot of time away from, 
and a young family and I lost a lot of time with my son and my husband and ultimately those were the reasons that I gave it up. I still moonlight every now and then at (laughs) a few restaurants and helping friends out and I and I love it when I go back. But as as a full time job for me personally, it's just yeah, it's unattainable. And the thing is, it's so opposite to what we try and achieve every day. Um, you know, if, if you want to be healthy and you want to live that beautiful, balanced lifestyle, it's really difficult to do that uh, in a chef position because of the hours and, and, you know, because of the times you need to work when other people want to eat. Um, Absolutely. It's really difficult. Yeah. So what's, what, what changed your mind and sent you on the pathway that you're now on? Well, firstly, tell us the pathway because I haven't told anyone yet. And what sent you on that pathway? Okay, so I'm currently in my second year of naturopathy at Endeavour College in Brisbane. And I guess what really put me onto that journey is whilst I was in the midst of my apprenticeship, I developed really, really terrible anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And I was constantly on different antidepressants and any anxiety medications and um, you know sedatives like Valium and those kinds of things. And uh, it was really hard to jump from medication from medication whilst trying to uphold complete perfection at work and with the hours and the stress and it it really all became too much and it was taking a massive toll not only on my mind and my spirit but on my body and it's just that lifestyle was just killing me and the medications were making me crazy and I had to look for options and my friend said oh you know there are plenty of other herbal options that you can use like you don't have to turn to the pharmaceuticals straight away and I said okay okay so she got me interested in natural medicine and she hooked me up with some really awesome herbal supplements and I felt amazing (laughs) and I started eating better and I started drinking more water um once I started to think about my health and my body it was more I wanted to use my own journey to be able to help other people who are in my situation I guess yeah something that really surprised me when I started working with chefs and I I met um, people in the food industry was how unconcerned with their own health they were and how um, the the food that they were making uh, had different priorities than than the food that I was making even though we were both putting together you know beautiful meals and um you know, uh, tasty food, it was a completely different prerogative. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, you, you do tend to eat, uh, quite badly as a chef. I have many clients who are in Uh that position. Um, even though you're surrounded by this beautiful produce, you know, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of blows my mind. Um, yes, a lot of chefs survive on energy drinks and two-minute noodles when they get home. It's very rare that a chef will go home and cook themselves a decent meal or let alone get the time during the day yeah. to cook themselves a decent meal. And, you know, like a lot of chefs drink a lot of water, but, you know, we, you still need the energy of the food and, you know, that's mm-hmm. where they supplement the food with energy drinks and lots and lots of caffeine and yeah, it really took a massive toll on my body yeah sure. and smoking uh, so many of them yeah. <laughs> the cigarettes yeah, <laughs> yeah. not everyone's yeah. <laughs> like that we should we should preface i'm sure not everyone is but um and i work with some great chefs in newcastle who are super concerned with you know um sustainability and, and balanced meals and all that kind of stuff and i've actually done a podcast with one previously um beautiful beautiful ben from the apothecary kitchen so he's a few podcasts back if you want to listen into that um, but for you, I guess, you know, that, that lifestyle 
and what I do see in my clients really led to a breakdown in, um, you know, mind, body, spirit. And, uh, one of my clients at the moment who's a chef is suffering extreme adrenal fatigue yeah, because of the hours and because of the work, um, as well as like a plantar fasciitis, which is, you know, a physical response of the body because of the, the way that you're on your feet so much, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for you, I guess, um, that mental side of things, that mental breakdown, which can happen to any of us in any situation, um, was really your catalyst for change. Yeah, 100%. And I'm so, uh, I think it's so beautiful when I read, if you go to the about section of Lolly's website, you can read just this little blurb about about you. And that's one of the things you've got in there. And I, I'm always encouraging people to talk about mental health and you've put it out there. And I think that's really brave. Yeah, it took a long time to write that short, short 200 <laughs> words and it took a long time for me to admit and then to openly talk about my anxiety and it took me a while to understand <clears throat> my emotional being takes a huge toll on your like physical health Absolutely. and it, it took me a really long time to work that out and I'm like getting it back on track now and the more I learn, the more I feel empowered and like this journey that I'm taking into natural medicine is really like not only opened my eyes up but like opened my spirit up to change and I feel really good about my future in natural medicine and using food to heal people as well is so important. Definitely. Yeah, that's one of my huge passions and obviously will be a passion for you. I um I have a colleague who I work with at my Hamilton office who is a chef or, you know, was a chef by trade previously. Um and, you know, she writes um uh, healthy recipes for heaps of different websites and has really kind of put that passion into really specific dietary work with her clients. And I just think to have that background and work as a nutritionist, a herbalist, you know, a naturopath is such a beautiful combination. Yeah. It's the best of all the worlds. I think all the modalities, it's the best of all of them yeah it takes all the good pieces from all of them and puts them into one jigsaw it's perfect the worst thing is that she had the same journey you know um breakdown uh adrenal fatigue you know uh you know body stuff go on and, and all that kind of thing and and you just think why do we have to go through this to learn these lessons <laughs> <laughs> i know we have to learn the hard way but ultimately it's the hard way that makes you learn and open your eyes the most i think sometimes and you know what, the, the biggest thing about being a healer is you you almost have to go through some of these things so that when you attract the people that you attract, you can have that empathy and understanding because you can put yourself in their shoes to some degree, um, you know, and, and really start from the basics, which is where you've come from as a, a person as well, you know. Um, for me, that's that's definitely happened with anxiety and depression and, and helping other people with that, and that's why I talk about that a lot. Um, but, you know, everything from body image as a teenager and, and you know, like all this stuff that is, is very global and we all kind of uh, go through it, but when it's you personally and it's something that you've experienced, you can really, I think, have more tools to help people with it. Yeah. And then you've got yeah, all, 100%. Yeah, all the backup of the medicine that we do as well. So that's 
Yeah, I think it makes it also um, for some people and maybe for some practitioners makes it easier easier to be identified too and go, oh, okay, so you do feel like you're feeling anxious, you know, and then think about why and, you know, I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. And people respond to that as well. You know, if they go to someone who has no concept of anxiety, it will be really difficult for that person to help them. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Now, for you, um, you know, you've told me a little bit about your story and that. Where did where did that um, where do you think that passion and drive has come from? In terms of, I know your friend mentioned, um, you know, to look at naturopathy, and that's actually how I got into it as well. A friend was like, "Well, you make a really good naturopath," and I was like, "What the hell is that?" Um, so that's my, kind of my journey. That was the as well. exact same response I had. Yeah, naturopath. What are you talking what, about? What is that? You know. <laughs> Um, but what's your passion and your drive? Is it your little boy? Um, I think I am my biggest passion and drive. Awesome. Like yeah. he, don't get me wrong, like he's fierce and bold and quirky and he's like, like so amazing. But I think in order for me to be the best mother that I can be and the best human being I can be, I need to make sure that I am healthy and I've got a sound mind and, you know, I've got passions and, I, you know, I'm, I, I love myself before I can be able to love them wholly. Yeah. So, like, me being well and not anxious all the time and healthy, that's my drive. And I want to be able to show other people that they can do it too and it's easy. Yeah, it's like that classic put your mask on first in the aeroplane before you put your child's or, you know, whoever else is next to you is on. Because how are you going to put their mask on if you passed out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And that's such a hard lesson to learn, I think, for a lot of my mums. Definitely Mm -hmm. popping the kids. you got to look after you. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's just this – it's a female trap that we get into, you know, thinking that we don't deserve to be looked after or that everyone else comes first, um, you know, that classic kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm a big one. I look after everyone first and then go, oh, okay, what about me? And they go, oh, too tired. It's a constant <laughs> battle as a healer because yeah. also then you'll start taking appointments and they will become your priority. Um, for me, I actually took a year off uh, to work on that and work out boundaries and and still, you know, just a simple thing of finding the importance in taking my own herbs whilst I prescribe everybody else herbs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it's one of the things that we talk about uni is, you know, you've got to take your own advice. Yeah, yeah. We can't we can't be telling people to drink, you know, two to three litres of water a day and eat all the colours of the rainbow if we're not doing it ourselves. Yeah. It's just pointless. And you're kind of seeing 100 clients a day and living off Coca-Cola. Yeah. And coffee. Yeah. I love it. Um, I asked you before we started recording, I actually asked you about some of your recipes. Um, I love it. I love what you're doing. And um, I was I was really interested in your beautiful photos and you said that you took them yourself. Is that a hobby of yours? Um, no. no. <laughs> My husband's a really good photographer. Okay. Um, okay. Just like very casually. Like he, he and his dad both take most beautiful raw photos. Um my photos are just of food and sometimes it's really hard to take photos of it's food. It's really hard. People, I know. Yeah, people think it's very easy but it's not and 
a lot of the times the food is actually so cold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you can um, eat it. By the time it. you get a good photo, like, it's not even worth eating sometimes. And that sounds <coughs> terrible, but, yeah, it is hard to take really good food photos. But I do take all of the photos myself, and it's really time-consuming. It's, yeah. like, 20 to 100 images of an apple. Yeah. And in my house, I have to wait for the light to be right in my kitchen. And it's usually in the afternoon. So if I'm doing a dinner recipe, I need to be cooking it early, like two, three o'clock in the afternoon, just to get the light right because I use no flash. Yeah. So. And do you do that every day? Do you put a recipe up every day or once a week? Or how often do you try and get new stuff up? I try to blog one recipe a week, but now I've committed to what what I'm calling the A to Z of modern classics. For the next 27, uh, 26 weeks, sorry, I will be doing a classic, sweet or savoury, from A to Z. So yesterday I posted my the first one, which pie. is A. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the apple pie chapel. Yeah. Yep. So good. <laughs> um, they're not all healthy, what some people would consider really healthy recipes, but they are recipes that are really easily attainable, um, cheap to make, um, classics, with a bit of a modern spin on it. And it's just a lot of my recipes, I use real food. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of packaged uh, rubbish. Um, there's not a lot of salt. There's not a huge amount of sugar. It's just real food and that's the food that I love. And it's, you know, sometimes, um, you know, yeah, sometimes we eat rubbish, but um, I balance that with really healthy, amazing raw foods as well. I think the majority of people lie somewhere in that gray area, you know, um, and certainly for me, I – if you've got one end is, you know, living off McDonald's and, and KFC or, you know, like all that kind of stuff and you're eating those apple pies from, from Macca's drive-thru and then the other end is, you know, um, you only eat out of like Paleo Pete books and you're quite extreme in, in your food rules, um, that's fine. That's totally fine. I love it. Do what suits you. But most people are in the gray area. So most of the general public would really appreciate, a, you know, a homemade um, apple pie with real food ingredients. They're not necessarily looking for a, a gluten-free, sugar-free, um, you know, butter-free, like <laughs> super healthy yep. recipe. They're just looking for something that's no fail, which, you know, I try to create in every single recipe I make, which is what you're saying, something really easy to create at home and ingredients that they've got in their cupboard. Yeah, it's about using what you've got, like – you know, we need to stop going out and just buying lots of things that we're only going to use once. Like, yeah. use the things that you got, people. And, you know, like, I've got a couple of – I've got six years background in health food, so for me my cupboard is often quite unique. Um, but I think if you have a different kind of, uh, I feel like, a superfood – every other month or, you know, you get into chia seeds, for example, so they kind of become part of your pantry, that's that's the change we're looking for. We're not, you know, we're not wanting you to have camu camu and, and maca powder and all these <laughs> crazy superfoods every day. You're just looking to add nutrition and, and make some really healthy food and um, use... Yeah, it's about, it's about integrating new things into your diet, you know. Yeah, It's yeah. not about just wiping your whole diet, your whole pantry and your fridge clean and then starting again because that can be quite expensive and quite expensive. overbearing for some people. Yeah, yep, and unsustainable, you know, because you haven't actually yeah. learned how to use those foods. You've just packed the pantry with all these new foods um, and often they'll end up in the back being unused and you'll buy the stuff that you are used to and put that in the front. Yeah, and some for some people um, it can be quite frightening too 
all these new foods and they've got no idea what to do with them. And it's just like start small, integrate new things into your diet, you know, weekly. Like it's pretty easy to do. And, and you know, you're doing it in an integrative way, then it's a lot cheaper as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just one thing at a time and then using that to the best of your ability. And the thing about, um, you know, nutritionally dense foods is they fill you up more. So you need to use less and all those kind of things come into play as well, which is really cool, which I love about, you know, superfoods, if you like. I hate using the word superfoods, but it explains Same. it best. All foods are superfoods. <laughs> exactly. All real food is superfood. Yes. You know, my husband, he's always saying there's no good or bad food. It's just what we do to it and how much it's we eat It's just food. And, you know, like yeah, you said. we need to stop food shaming. Yeah, you can eat junk food sometimes, but it's it's that big 80-20 rule. And I did a talk on that a couple of weeks ago and people were just like gobsmacked. They were like, really? I can still have a piece of chocolate cake? And I was like, yeah, why the hell not? You know, why shouldn't yeah. you enjoy that? And um, and then go back to eating. Don't, be, don't feel guilty about one piece of chocolate cake. It's a piece of chocolate cake. Yeah. <laughs> and the biggest thing with food is, um, you know, for me, how, how it brings you joy and who you share it with. So if you have a birthday and you have a piece of chocolate cake, great. Be happy. Move on. Uh, continue yeah. to eat well the, the most of the time and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's really and see, as a, and see, as a chef, we make food to invoke emotion yeah. and feeling. There's no, not ever any thought about, unless you're working in a restaurant that specifically deals with, like, nutrition or, like, it's a paleo restaurant. There's no, no chef thinks about nutritional content for food. Yeah, right. Particularly make food to invoke and spark emotion and make people feel good about, you know, like, oh, that tastes amazing. Like, that chocolate cake is out of this world. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's such a big <laughs> part of food itself. Um, you know, when I was writing my new cookbook, it's it's very much what I grew up with and uh, what my granddad used to make, and he's passed now. And um, for me, the emotions that came up while I was writing that book and writing some of his recipes down were immense you know so it's not just the the actual food on my plate it's who I used to share it with you know and cook it with as well so yeah food has, mm-hmm. food is very powerful many different levels yeah 100% agreed yeah I was just thinking if and you know if you were sick that food as medicine comes into play um for me like when I was sick my nan would always make a pot of tea so that even just that simple act has so much healing value you know, even though there's no medicinal value in the tea itself because it was just, you know, black tea and milk. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a comfort. Just, yeah, it's a comfort food. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, I love I love the idea. So uh, A to Z of food, really yeah. cool. I think that's awesome. What are some of your other goals in, in making your website and putting these recipes out to the world? Um, so before it was the Bliss Bomb Project, it was actually called MissOllyLovesFood.com and it was just a food blog and it was just food. There was nothing else on there and it kind of lay dormant for about 12 to 18 months and, you know, that, that was mainly a lot due to the fact that I was also finishing my apprenticeship mm-hmm. but it was also when I reflected on it, it was just I'd lost my spark and I'd lost my my, my drive and kind of my will to create, I guess. Yeah. And I really had to think about, am I going to do, am I going to continue blogging? Is it worth it? 
it's just something I want to, you know, continue doing. It takes time. <laughs> you know, it looks it looks so easy because a lot of people just read it, but you know, putting a blog post up takes hours, sometimes days. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I had to think about, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to rebrand it? And what am I going to do? And I decided that I was going to, I was going to rebrand it and, and I did. And it took me about a month to get it to where it is now. So it's now the Bliss Bond Project. And I'm not really quite sure what it is yet. And I'm just letting it evolve organically. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, cool. Um, so it's a lot about like, oh, it's still got all my recipes on it. And that's something I'm going to continue doing because I love to cook. Um, but it's also going to be about my journey become a naturopath and, you know, living with anxiety because I still get anxiety and it's something I'm still working on day to day. Um, but, you know, it's also about our family life and um, really cool products that I come across yeah. that, you know, with brands that share the same philosophies as I do. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's all about – I'm trying to create a small community. I just don't know how yet. <laughs> well, I think that's all you can do is you can just tell people what you're doing and if they like it, then they tune in, right? I mean, yeah, that's how yeah, I started. Yeah. Mm. Um, even just planning this podcast, you know, we, we've spoken numerous times over email and, and planned the time. And then I called you this morning and it wouldn't record. And then I called you back. Like all this stuff that we do for free, really it is, it's to create a community and share what we do with people. And, um, you know, for me, really educate people as well. Yeah is really important and that's a that fundamental um herbalist philosophy was to educate people in our community to care for themselves and I've really that's something that I take into my heart and try and do every day um yeah connect and educate yeah for sure and I mean I, I spoke to you briefly about this but um for us to become what we become and to do what we do, it's actually a really difficult journey. And yes, I know chefing is difficult in a different way and um, becoming a doctor is difficult in a different way, but we have a really hard uh, road in terms of study and and how we get our qualifications. Um, well, how and also how we're perceived by the public. Oh, definitely, yes. <laughs> and for you, you're studying with Endeavour, um, how did you find them? Did you find them difficult to find when you did decide to study? How did that happen for you? Um, well, my girlfriend also studies there, so I was just lucky to be like, she's yeah. like, have a look into it. And I did, and it looked really good, and I had a chat with student advisors. And, you know, like I had to have a really sit down and think about it because I just dedicated five years as a chef in, in just studying as to, or just in my apprenticeship, just to be a chef, and well, was I ready to undergo another four full time years of study at a university level? Is completely different, mm. and it's been really challenging in a really good way. But I really had to sit and think, and then I decided, yeah, this is for me. I did a few subjects online. I did my first semester online, and I loved the content. And I was like, yep, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> You know, the other, one of the other big things is like for me, I had to pay as I went along. So it was a very expensive journey. Um, when I studied, there was no hex. And now the uh, vet fee help that we have is um, being taken away by the government as well. So it's becoming almost harder and harder <laughs> to study it. And it's not 
um, you know, lots of people think that we just go to uni, but it's not actually through uni or TAFE. We have to go to private colleges, which means you do pay a lot more, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for to become a naturopath, it's gone anywhere starting. I think that I started and, and you know, when I did it, it was around 35000 40000 and now it's up past the $100,000 mark. Yeah, it's definitely not a cheap degree. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And um, yeah, we've got it's a lot, lot of, of hours. Yeah, got a lot of changes so in our hours. industry constantly. So that bar is always moving. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, there's new information coming out monthly, new research being done. And it's, you know, keeping up to date with the research and, you know, making sure you're banking clinic hours and. You know, researching all the herbs and there's hundreds and hundreds of herbs. I actually have a really funny story about that. I had this lady, um, beautiful lady, you know, um, who is a doctor come past my office and she said, Mel, I've, um, I've got some research on magnesium that I, I saw and I just thought of you because I know that none of your stuff has research and this, this research on magnesium kind of shows that it might work, you know, for sleeping. And um, would you like me to bring you a copy? And I said, yeah, sure, that'd be great, you know. And, and she brought me a copy and, you know, it's it's just some mediocre research on magnesium. And I just thought that's what people think. That's what people think. They think that what we do is um, still not science-based and, and yeah, still it's not so totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Every single herb in my dispensary has evidence-based, you know, and, and the courses yeah. that we do, you're doing a bachelor degree, um, it's all evidence-based. Yeah, and a lot of um, how I'm graded at uni, I would say nearly anywhere from, you know, 20% of every assessment that I put in, assignment-wise, is based on referencing. Yeah. And it's based on evidence and research, and I'm talking hours of research and, yep. you know, looking up really, really cool databases and, you know, like every I, – I, I guess I'm challenged with people who just think that this is quack medicine and mm. I find it really frustrating and kind of offensive and it's like we don't go to uni for four years for quack medicine. Like we're not snake oil men. Like yeah. this is real. Herbs are here to heal. Yeah, for sure. It's frustrating having to constantly defend natural medicine in any of the modalities really because I hear it a lot from some of the acupuncture students as mm-hmm. well that mm-hmm. they find it hard. Yeah, definitely. You know, I work with some great doctors in Newcastle um, and I'm very respectful of uh, all types of medicine, but we actually learn more about mainstream medicine and pharmaceuticals, if you like, than a doctor learns about nutrition and herbal medicine. So for me, that crossover is, um, you know, one-sided and we we do more work <laughs> in yeah. terms of that, you know, we, we have... Uh, courses on pharmaceuticals that we do and you know yeah we we do our best to be across that Um, you know and a lot of my clients will come in and they'll say well why didn't my doctor just tell me to eat that or why didn't my doctor tell me that you know I could take that and I said they just don't know like it's not that they're hiding it from you but they they literally don't know it's not something that they learn yeah so yeah I try not to give them a hard time (laughs) No, and, you know, like one of the things that um, we learn at uni that's very ingrained from the beginning is um, learning about our scope of practice. Yes. And it's like we have – and it's, it's also remaining respectful of, you know, GPs mm-hmm. and specialists and it's like we're 
we want to establish more like collaborative treatment definitely rather than just being like don't go to the GP it's not worth it it's a waste of money because that's rubbish yeah and that's a rubbish attitude to have and I feel like it's somewhat that sets us back back yeah a little sure. bit as natural medicine practitioners and I don't think that's entirely fair yep absolutely absolutely I totally agree um you know there was a time there's this awesome book if you haven't read it it's called um green pharmacy by Barbara Griggs and and she talks about all of the history of herbal medicine and our worst kind of time was when we were at heads with with doctors because at the end of the day they are most people's primary healthcare provider and um, we are known as alternative practitioners and we really need to be able to work together for the best outcomes. It's that interdisciplinary team, you know. Um, <clears throat> when I did nuclear medicine, it was all about the team, all about the team, and, and we just need to work even harder to be a part of that team, I guess, like, you know, like they are in Germany, for example. We, we just need to work harder to be a part of the team in Australia. Yeah. Do you find as an established naturopath that you have to defend your position and your qualification? Do you know what? Like um, I was certainly more in that battle zone as a student, but now I only really see people who want to see me and I only communicate with doctors who want to work with me. And I think you just find that path organically um, there's a handful of occasions where there's been some animosity from a doctor who's, who I'm working with the, their client and that client either doesn't see me anymore or they change doctor and that's fine, you know, and I don't pressure them to do that. Um, but that's, that's just how we move forward because that client for them to have the best health, um, healthcare options really needs both of us on board and it's just unfair if that doctor's not willing to work with what that client wants because it's their health, it's their choice, they have autonomy over what they want to do moving forward. Um, so, yeah. no, I don't I don't battle with people, you know. I just can't be bothered with <laughs> if, if people don't understand. And, you know, when I go to – I always – always talking to my husband about this when I go to dinner parties or um, go out for dinner. If, if people ask me what I do and um, I say, you know, I'm a herbalist or I say I'm a naturopath because most people don't know what a herbalist is. They think I'm a gardener. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they don't talk to me for the rest of the night. Not on purpose. They just don't know what to say to me. And I just think it's really interesting Um that they're not even willing to find out more about that. So that's not a battle that I'm going to have, be bothered to have, you know, for me. Yeah. You know, you have to be, you have to be willing to at least want to know about something or learn something new. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be in the realm where I can have any kind of conversation. (laughs) Yeah. With you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's fine. It's not for everyone. Um, Yeah. So that's fine. It's not. Yeah. Cool. So I was thinking about your food photos and, you know, I just, I think it's hilarious because so many people say to me, um, oh, you must have had so much food to eat after you shot your book. You know, you photo shoot for your book. And my first book I had a, a photographer and a food stylist and then me and we spent the entire day shooting this book and we were exhausted and there was nothing. In to one eat. day. Yes, I know. We we were crazy. Oh my god. Yes. We were crazy. 
And um, But there was nothing to eat because by the time the food has been played with and styled and, um, you know, some of the – Just fingers over it. Yeah, and, and it's cold and there's flies and, you know, it was horrible. I just had no idea how much of the food would actually be inedible. And I yeah. it was really funny, really funny. And the time, the time it took to shoot the um, – the the photos was unbelievable. So for my first book, I actually had to sell 256 copies to break even because of yeah, the time and costs involved in that book, you know. Yeah. Um, so for you, you're putting all these recipes up for free and a lot of the stuff that we do is for free um, out of the goodness of our heart um, and, and in an attempt to – you know, unite people and, and to educate people and tell them what we do. And and for me, it's a lot about if people hear me or see me, they're more likely to come and come into the clinic because they're not scared then because they see mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like a normal person, you know, crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> crazy that we're normal human beings. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? So I guess moving forward, will you always be so generous with your recipes? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, recipes is one of those things that are there to be shared, you know, they're handed down from generations. It's, you know, one of those things. And I think food is, you know, share it with people. And, you know, when people cook food, you know, like little bits of their soul goes into that. And it's, you know, it's about love and, you know, respect and, you know, I get great joy like watching my husband and my son eat and I know that sounds so creepy <laughs> but I do and I love watching my family eat my food and you know that they feel good about it and I feel like I feel the same way about my recipes whilst I'm not cooking it for other people it's there for them to use to make their families and their friends feel good too and you know to nourish their soul and to nourish their body yeah beautiful um have you studied iridology yet Sorry? Have you studied iridology yet? No. Ah, there I'm you really go. looking forward to it. I think it's an elective in my last year. Yeah, yeah. But you should have to do it. So as part of naturopathy, we have to do herbal medicine, nutrition, iridology, yep. bark flowers normally as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's an elective, uh, a huge elective component of either the massage or homeopathy um, is how yep. it's been done in the past. The bachelor is changing that a little bit, but um, it'll be really exciting for you when you do iridology because you must have some orange in your eye for that love and passion behind food, um, you know, which I'll leave with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing indigenous plant medicine. That's something like I'm really looking forward to yeah. um, something really spiritual and beautiful about the Australian indigenous population that I, really draws me to them. So that's like one of the electives that I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that for sure. And you can actually <laughs> go and um, spend some time with some medicine men in the bush. Um, one of my uh-huh. friends did that. It was a really, really great, um, you know, I think she went for a week and, um, and more and more of that medicine is coming out into health food shops. Like we have a kakadu plum and um, most yes. people know that, you know, the world's supply of chia seeds, the biggest supply of chia seeds is grown in the Kimberleys. And, um, you know, like those desert foods are just amazing. I saw Maggie uh-huh. here, actually, she made a cake the other week with um, some Davidson plum in it. So it was really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so my grandmother's been making jars and jars and jars of Davidson plum jam. Yeah, cool. I love it. it. 
it's so tart and like sweet all at the same time. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to go because there's nobody really doing that, which would be yeah. so cool. Yeah. My mum's also been making bottles of lavender cordial and stuff too, so it's like Beautiful. so good. <laughs> There's so much we can make at home, like, and yeah. you know that's that's also a really beautiful way to feed your family because it works out cheaper and it's easier, and you've got you know you're using all of the food rather than throwing waste away, which is just really cool, really cool philosophy. And you know what goes in. into it, which means you know what's going into your family's bodies. Exactly. Exactly. I bought a little jar of labna and it was like 13 bucks and it has like five balls of labna. And so then, yeah, I know it was so expensive. And I was like, why aren't I making this? So I just bought a nut milk bag and got my heirloom yogurt that I make at home anyway. And, you know, poured it into the nut milk bag and left it for a few days. And there's my labna. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think, you know, one of the things people forget is food is easy. It's not hard. Yeah. Uh, You know, the sad thing is a lot of people, today are very time poor mm-hmm. so you know they don't have the time to you know get the, the nut bag and the yogurt and hang it in their fridge for a couple of days and then roll it root in oil so it stays you know like no, you know i didn't roll it i just i just eat it <laughs> so you're time poor you can just do it what it's whatever suits you. you know often with my seed bowls and stuff i just press them into a tray i don't bother rolling them and yeah my lab is literally like you just spoon it out of the container <laughs> <laughs> Because I couldn't be bothered to roll it into balls. But I tell yep. you, it made a hell of a lot more than, than five or six balls. Like, you know, it was half a jar of my homemade yogurt. So, um, yeah, just really interesting how easily we can start to integrate those things into our everyday life. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I so appreciate you taking the time to chat to us today. And I hope everybody has enjoyed our little ramble about, um, you know, our lives, I guess, as – as students and natural medicine practitioners um if you want to check out what lolly does then head to the blissbombproject.com we're going to put a link at the bottom of this podcast as well and i saw you have a facebook page yeah it's the bliss bomb project easy basically yeah <laughs> yeah and it's the exact same for um instagram as well yeah cool too easy thank you so much for your time lolly i really appreciate it Oh, thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you soon. If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. For those of you on your own health journey, you know that a lot of times it's two steps forward, one step back, and you think you're doing well and then something else pops up. It's like um, always, you're always learning. It's just a, it's not something that just happens overnight and suddenly you're well. If I actually had been so wrong about this really important thing in my life, what else was I wrong about? And it got me down this, uh, this place of questioning all the concepts that I had. And then I came to one question, which was, who am I beyond concept? When I was a little kid, I really always had trouble with food intolerances. I realized that there was a lot to be said for the way you eat. You come to the same place that I came to, and it's a place of complete freedom. 
Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.